So I, I do a number of weddings, and um, it's kind of interesting because the vows and the message um, for the couple is really not for the couple. It's really for the guests because the guests a lot of times have lost the purpose of marriage in their life, and they fake smile and celebrate someone else getting married because they're comparing this day to their life, and it sucks. And um, so uh, the topic of marriage is kind of, uh, you know, it may hit you good or bad. I don't know. But, um, but, if, but I'm glad that we're finally going to talk about the thing that will make us happy, marriage. Some of y'all know. <laughs> you liar. You liar. Don't look at your spouse. They're probably not looking at you either. So dearly beloved, we are gathered here in the sight of God in the presence of these witnesses to join this man and this woman in holy matrimony, which is an honorable estate established by God. It is therefore not to be entered into unadvisedly, but discreetly and in the reverence of God. Into this holy estate, these two persons now come together to be joined. This brings back memories, does it not? And you have no clue what all that meant until later in years. Just like your vows. It was so pretty, you wrote it down. And you're like, oh, you have no clue what you wrote. Your love has not been tested or tried. And when your love is tested and tried, that's when marriage really begins to make sense. It's not bad, but it's a season. It's a good season. And... Um, and so what I want to do as we kick this thing off today and over the next few weeks, we'll, have, we'll, we'll talk about dating. We're, talking, we're going to talk about cohabitating. We're going to talk about parenting. We're going to talk about family. And we're going to have um, our speakers contribute uh, through this series. So I would highly encourage you guys to, um, after, if this is good for you, share this message. Invite your family and friends, um, especially the couples that you know are, having, are, are, are you know, in a horrible place in their life and in their marriage. You know, and if you were the one that was invited then there's hope for you too. Um, sometimes I got to give a little clause. My jokes fall flat and it's not me. It's my uh, upbringing and my background. I am Ukrainian. And so somebody somewhere thinks my jokes are funny. And because we have an international audience, I don't need your response to laugh, but it helps. Thank you, Rusty. You see, talking about marriage, you got to drink a lot of water. Mm. Oh, Lord. All right. Okay, so we're going to do something. If you are not sitting next to your spouse, your marriage is in trouble. No, I'm just joking. If you are not sitting next to your spouse, <laughs> oh, Maria. <laughs> Let me try this one more time. If you are not sitting next to your spouse, your marriage is in trouble. Let me see how that goes. Um, but actually, yeah, come up here, babe, for a second. Surprise! Because I, I want to do something. If you, if you, and this, and if you're single here, just stick around. This would be good for you as well. But for all the married people, find your spouse. Make sure that you're sitting next to her, even if it's for a second. Okay? And I want to do something um, as we get started. This is for today, but also for this series. Um, so... Grab your spouse where, where she is. Have your hand. Okay, look at her. Look at her so you can make eye contact. And repeat after me. <laughs> are you ready? I'll give you a second. Maybe some of you are still looking for your spouse. And if your wife is walking to the husband, we'll, we'll talk afterwards. 
All right, I'll repeat after me. Ready? You ready? This message is for me. Okay, just, just be right there for a second. In this series, in this conversation, listen for yourself, not for your spouse. Some of you are so spiritual that your marriage is no earthly good. And the spirituality does not compensate for your condition. Make sense? So sometimes we try to spiritualize this. So, so since you're still there with your spouse, um, I want you to close your eyes and remain and hold your hand. Hold each other's hand or hug each other, however. And just uh, pray this prayer. I'm just going to read it and you can just, uh, actually just repeat it after me, okay. Say, Holy Spirit. I invite you to change my heart, to rearrange my priorities, and let me hear what I need to hear. Take the things out that need to be taken out. Expose the things that need to be exposed. Put in those things that are missing. I ask you to do a miracle in my life. And in my relationships. I invite you to be the Lord over my marriage. And over my family. And if you're single here, you can say this. I invite you to be the Lord over my singleness. In Jesus' name. Amen. And the marriage series is finished. <laughs> right? Because that's all we need, just to smooch, smooch, smooch. And everything's going to be well. Right? No, actually, smooch, smooch, smooch brings in fourth children, which really challenge your marriage. So, careful. <laughs> Smooching is never innocent. Um, and I promise you, this is not going to go overboard. All you have some of these girls like, Cooties, that's right, until you're 30 or 40, cooties it is. Um, and before we talk marriage, like the, with the single people, just, just understand this. Um, I know sometimes uh, you may feel like you may be left out because people are married, and for some reason you're not married. Maybe you were, maybe it went south, or maybe um, your spouse died, or maybe you just never stepped into it and you've tried a lot of different relationships. I just want to remind you that, that singleness is not a curse. Okay, singleness is not a curse. And singleness is not God's second best. Okay, I want to remind you because we'll be talking about marriage and you may feel left out. But I, let, me, let, me, let me just say one more thing. Jesus was and remains single. And Paul wrote that if you're married, don't, don't, don't look for a way out. And if you're single, don't look for a way in. So wherever you find yourself... That's where you are. Don't seek the thing that's not there. And so for singles, you can whisper this prayer and just say, God, let this be the year that your will is done. Okay. Wedding vows. All right, I'm going to skip that because we already did that. Um, <laughs> marriage is a tough topic because it's, 
it's it's like a hashtag series, quite frankly, because um, what marriage is and what it means continues to be discussed and debated today, and and we think that it's new. We think that all of a sudden this culture does under does not understand marriage. And so I'm not going to get into the cultural aspect of marriage and dating and relationships. I actually just want to go and give us a biblical foundation. There's actually seven things that, that marriage is that I want to kind of un- unpack slightly, but we're going to go through it pretty quickly. Um, but marriage has always been under the microscope and has always been debated. It's nothing new. Some people are debating how many spouses you want or whether you should have any spouses. Um, what they are, who they are, all those things. That this is nothing new. And actually, Jesus was asked about Mary, about marriage in Scripture, as well. So it's interesting because when we live in self-indulging, selfish, self-centered uh, culture, we think that our questions are the first time anyone has ever asked these questions. Challenging the things that are status quo, we think that we're the only ones and the first ones to challenge all these things. You're not. The questions that you have about scripture, hundreds of thousands of people have asked those questions. Your question will not be new, I promise you. Not only that, but the questions on marriage, they have, they have gone in full circle from statistics and studies and evaluations. Your counselors and your psychologists will be wrong if they are not guided by scripture. The scripture establishes what this is and it sustains it as well. Okay, so it doesn't mean that you should not go and seek assistance and help. But just when you do, don't go to a person who spiritualizes everything. And don't go to a person who practicalizes everything. It's an element of both. Your spirituality, your relationship with God, and the practicality of how you treat one another, how you react, and how you respond. And so Jesus was in an environment and in a culture where they were asking him about divorce, and which is tied into marriage. And Matthew records this exchange. This is Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 to 6. And it's going to be in the message translation. And we read this. And Jesus answered... Haven't you read in your Bible that the creator originally made man and women for each other, male and female? And because of this, a man leaves father and mother and is firmly bonded to his wife, becoming one flesh, no longer two bodies but one. Because God created this organic union of the two sexes, no one should desecrate. Marriage is exclusive. It does not have to, the scripture does not have to tell us what marriage is not. Because when it tells you what marriage is, by default, by default it tells you what it's not. And I, I'm, like I said, I'm not going to get into it. It's, it's so debated. So, so the real question is this. Will you believe scripture or will you believe culture? Will you believe Jesus or will you believe your professor or the actor or the movie or the drama that you're watching or your family or your friends? Whose word is going to be of more importance or more value to you? That's the real decision and the real choice that we have to make. Who will we believe? And this is, not, this is not only in regards to marriage, but it's also in regards to your identity. You don't have to struggle continually as you do. But you continue to believe lies. So you continue to be in bondage. 
Jesus is your answer, but you continue to find other potential answers. So we have to elevate the voice of God above all else, including your own. Including your own. That's hard because we are right. Right? Someone else may be wrong. They maybe should change. But we, in our perspective, it's solid. So we have to submit our opinions to the one who has established. And I love, I love that Jesus, when he answered the question, went to the origin. Because that is where we find the definition and the purpose of the union. And it's easy to talk about the current conversations and majority of it will be more, more you know, the surface level debating and fighting and arguing and all this. And, and Jesus just goes back to the, to the beginning. I, I love that because that's where it was established. So some marriages are great, some are struggling, and some are struggling a lot. So today, no matter where you find yourself, today and this series is for you. The reason that I had us pray is not because this to topic is challenging, but more specifically, that apart from God, you won't make it. Everything in this world is fighting to separate and dismantle your marriage and family. Okay. You can only do so. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't put strength in it. You should definitely put strength in it. But you won't win only relying on your, on your strength alone. Because marriage has lost a lot of its original intent, when Jesus was asked about it, he did go back to the beginning. So he took them back to the origin of this thing called marriage by quoting Genesis, the first book of Moses. And this is where we, I'm just going to read some and then we're just going to talk through a few things. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 and 28. And then we will read Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 through 22. So if you have your Bibles, um, it may be on the screen. And if it's not on the screen, it is on the screen. And before I go on, can you guys just honor John and Abax? This is her first time doing lyrics and scripture. She is definitely um, Rusty's better half on every front. Love you. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Okay. The first commandment that God commanded and, and said was a command of blessing, of multiplying, of reproduction. And then he said, don't eat of this fruit. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Let's read. The Lord had placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend it and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden... Accept the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Then the Lord said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him or I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. Then he gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still there was no helper just right for him. I'm, I want to pause for a second. I, you know, you can, you can read this as God's like, look, Adam, it's not good for you to be alone. So I'm going to make you a helper. But then he doesn't make him a helper right away. He gives him all these other animals to say, let's see here. Is he smart? Will he choose something other than his kind? Thank you, Adam, for not choosing all those other things that God was creating in front of you and that you were naming. All right, let's keep going. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, see, God's for naps, by the way. The Lord God took out. Uh, took one of uh, man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib. And most versions and rooted, it's more not even as much as from the rib, but it's more from the side. So some translations say rib. Some translations say side. Um, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed. And, in some, and actually, the Hebrew, in Hebrew, it's more of a song. He sang when he saw her. He just named the animals, but he sang when he saw her. So here's the challenge this week, husbands. Y'all, you be singing to your wife. That's your homework. Okay, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman or woe man, right? Or a womb man. A man with a womb. That could be cultural. Yeah, I know. Right. Wait, what? Because, see, God created Adam from dust, but he created the woman from Adam. There's so many jokes here. I'm just going to skip them. Okay. This, <laughs> verse 24, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united. Verse 25, now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. Okay, you have the best of the best. You have the man and the woman. They're naked. There's food involved. God's in the mix. Perfection. So when you think of uh, the Garden of Eden, that's the picture. And I think it's a beautiful picture because we, we, we don't know how to see it purely. The food that we eat is corrupt. How we are exposed is corrupt. How we are in relationship with God a lot of times is also corrupt. Um, but this is like the origin story. This is what Jesus was bringing his people who were asking him this question. He was bringing them to this moment of what God did in the beginning. So marriage, uh, when people ask me, so, so what, what is marriage? So some people say, well, we can move in together, you know, or we can maybe like share bills and um, maybe, we, maybe, maybe we don't even need to get it signed or why do we even need to have like a you know, ceremony? Why do we need to have witnesses? And it's really interesting because a lot of times we think that marriage is assigned to this one thing and that is either a legal document 
or a ceremony or moving in together or building a family, having kids or, or combining our finances. And the truth of the matter is that marriage is not one thing. Marriage is like a house with many rooms. And all these rooms are needed and they make up marriage. And in our society, what we do is we pull the things that are self-serving and dismiss and dismantle marriage. So we will say, hey, I won't commit to you, but I can live with you. I won't contribute, but I'll take advantage of this relationship. Um, so it's easy for us to try to dismantle it. And this is what people say, well, why do I need, even need to sign legal documents? Or why do I need to do this? Or why do I need to, we just, this is good enough. And the truth of the matter is that God created marriage to be a multitude of things. Many rooms, which includes having kids for those who are able to have kids or adoption. Um, being intimate. Sharing your finances. Living in one, in, in one house. Building a family. There's, a, there's all of these elements that make up marriage, and that's what makes it so beautiful. So as soon as you begin to dismantle it, you begin to create your own version of marriage. You'll say, I don't want to live with you, but I want to be intimate with you. Okay, we'll live together, but my money is my money, your money is your money. And we chop things up because we're looking to the world for definitions. And marriage in scripture is not just about you. It's generational. It's generational. God is setting up marriage so that your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren could reap the benefits of his blessings. So our culture dismantles it by picking it and taking certain things from the marriage construct. In this verses, and I can't go, I cannot just, I can't do it justice by going it by doing this line by line this, this morning. So I'm just going to give you the seven things that I promise you that if you read the scripture, you'll find these seven things to get us started and rooted in what marriage is. So the first one is this. Before you get married, this is for even single. So this is pre-marriage. One, know God. This is the first thing. If you don't know God, you will be taking cues for your life from yourself. And you cannot be trusted. And you know this. Your spouse doesn't. Now she does. This is so vital. This is so vital because before Adam met Eve, Adam knew and met God. And likewise, before Eve met Adam, Eve met and knew God. We think that everything happened so fast, but before Eve was, God built a relationship with Adam. God knew Adam. And then God put Adam to sleep, and he formed the woman. And what the Bible says is that then he brought her to Adam. The question is, how long did Adam sleep for? Well, I tell you one thing. He named a gazillion animals. He was probably tired. Just practically speaking. But, but you see, he didn't just create this person and gave her to the man. No, he wanted to make sure that Eve knew who created her. Because then she would think Adam created her. Here's the first thing. Know God. 
and get to know him before you get married. But if you're already married and you don't know him, this is a good step. This is what discipleship is for. This is what crews help you do. But, but it's just know God. Two, know your identity. Know who you are so that you don't borrow from another person. And more importantly, that you don't borrow your identity from your spouse. God called Adam by his name. A name indicates what family you belong to, what you are rooted in. And when you know God, your name comes from the family that you are part of, which is his family. This is both spiritual and physical. When you are in Christ, you are his creation. Not only that, you are his heir and his inheritance. You belong to him. He's your father. So know your identity. Adam knew who he was. And we can, we can see that he knew who he was because when he was called, he responded. And he knew that he was not like the animals. And, like, and he also knew that he was not God. It's really important too because some of us think that we're God. And in our marriage, we want to, you know, amplify that. So know your identity. Know God. Know your identity. The third thing we see in this story is that after you know who God is and after you know who you are, then you find your purpose. You find your calling. What is God calling you to do? Adam, God told him, tend the garden. Right away. Find your calling, find your purpose. Because what happens when you get married, that is what you're going to do together. How many marriages do you know who are just living aimless lives? How many marriages do you know that the husband does one thing, the wife does another? How many spouses are following other people's visions and careers and plans and not their own? Too many. Too many. And so if you don't know your purpose in life, if you don't know your calling, if you don't know how you're hardwired, we're here to help you discover those things. It's never too late. None of these things that I mentioned are too late. It just means that you've, you've kind of done them backwards and, and maybe it's not working out for you. Probably it's not working out for you. So find your purpose, find your calling so that whenever you invite someone to share your life, they will come along and share with the purpose and the calling that you have. Number four, when you meet someone, don't do what the world does. They go straight to intimacy. But the best way to approach any relationship is to build friendships. That's the ingredient, friendship. And friendship can be private or in community. And you need to know both. You need to know how this person is with, in community. And you need to know how they are apart from community. But friendship becomes the key to establishing your, your, your marriage, quite frankly. I mean, be, I mean, everything that I said, your identity, your God, it's a building block. And this is really cool because, yes, part of this is about marriage, but also part of this is about community. God says it's not good for Adam to be alone. 
There are a lot of married people who are alone. So you don't need marriage to not be alone. But you need community not to be alone. And this is a representation of God because God, as we talked about a few weeks back, God is a trinity, which means that God is in community apart from his creation. He's in community. So when we're made in his image, we're made to long for community. We're made to long to be, to, we're made to, be, to want to be known. And we're made to know one another. This is why isolation is so destructive. And what's interesting is this, God right away said it's not good for Adam to be alone. And then Adam later on realizes that it's not good for him to be alone. It's pretty neat. So friendships are built around activities. This is where you just hang out. Just hang out. Let me ask you, spouses, when was the last time you hung out? Wives, when was the last time you went disc golfing with your husband? I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> a lot of the issues on marriages come from the fact that we stop being best friends. You have to build your friendship with your future spouse. Number five. Sexuality. Part of marriage is to be lovers. And I'm not going to get into graphics or anything like that. But God's design is that only in marriage this is expressed. This is God's gift. Because when you know yourself, when you know who God is, when you have a calling, when you build relationship, then you can share a more intimate and deeper dynamic with this one person. Sexuality is made for you to have one partner and that's it. That is the best way to experience God's design. And I know you're maybe thinking like, well, that's too late. It's okay. We'll get there. But I'm just trying to tell you that this is God's design. There is no, well, you don't understand my, shut up. You can make all the excuses you want for why you're the most unique person in the most unique situation, yada, yada, yada. Again, you've, you're elevating yourself above God's voice. And you will burn. Not in hell because, <laughs> because uh, sexuality is a fire. It's a fire. And that's why it has to be restricted to a particular area. Because once, when it's restricted to a particular area, when it's boxed in properly, then it can produce heat and warmth and light. And it's amazing. But whenever you don't have context and guardrails around it, you can burn your whole house down. You can burn your whole neighborhood down. How many hundreds of thousands of acres are burning because someone lit a fire in the wrong place or caught fire and, and there was no protection around it. So God's protecting this part by ex making it exclusive to marriage. This part is not something that you need to be happy. You need to eat. You need to have clothes. You need to drink. 
Sexuality is a desire. It's not a need. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. But the world keeps pushing this down our throats that this is the fulfillment to your life. And anyone who's went that direction knows that all it caused was devastation and destruction. Everyone knows this. But they don't know how to fix it. And so that's like the, you know, the definition of insanity. You keep doing the same thing, hoping you'll find the right one somehow, somewhere. It's not God's best. You can do it. God's not going to come down and strike you dead. He's going to be like, you got free will, buddy. But when you're ready, I'm here. The fire must be contained within the boundaries or can definitely burn things down. Because this part is truly like glue. It's like glue. And like I said earlier, Jesus was single. So this is one of the reasons for marriage, but it's not the only one. It's not the only one. Don't let this be a God. But this part is a way that you bound with one another like you don't with any other person. And it's beautiful when it's done right. Okay, six, family. Not everybody can have kids, like I said earlier. But God's blessing was to multiply, to reproduce. Right? Um, you can, there's, there's all sorts of things. But the whole concept of family doesn't have to be blood family. But it is about building a family. And it is at the core of it about blood family because that's how society is established. By family units. This is how churches are established. By family units. This is how generations are built. By family units. So family is a big part of it, which is also under attack in our society. People would rather be family with people that they see online than talk to their own flesh and blood. There's too many flesh and blood relationships that are broken. And so when we come and we worship God, we're asking God, please show up in those broken relationships. Show up in those families that are broken, spouses kids and sometimes you can't help it so it's not like what can you do you do what you can do you do what's in your hand you apologize you call you reach out you pray for them and I know all families you know there's there's a different dynamic so so it becomes really particular but just understand that part of marriage is for family building and that's how society is built and that's how God operates through generational things as well Spiritual family and physical family. All right, number seven. Finally, is the purpose of marriage is to represent Jesus. To represent Jesus. This is how you are put in a place where you can sacrificially love one another. Where you give up your own desires and serve one another. Sometimes we think that marriage is about us. It's not about us. It's about him. It's about him. It's about representing him well within your relationship. Marriage exposes and brings things to light that are really and are already there 
So when you get married, if you are greedy, that's going to be exemplified. If you are mean and unforgiving, that's going to be exemplified and that's going to be magnified. You're going to be exposed for who you are. This is why it's important to know who you are and know who your God is. Because we are selfish. We go into marriage for selfish reasons. You can raise your hand, right? I went into marriage for selfish reasons. We do. And that's why a lot of times there's conflict. And if you're not able to resolve conflict, it leads to misery. But I love this because after this whole thing happened and God gave Adam this beautiful gift, Eve, and he's saying over this whole thing. I think it's beautiful because God's taking us. And when Jesus was answering this question to the Pharisees, he's reminding us a few things about marriage. And he's not picking it from the current culture. He's going back to the origin. And he's saying a few things here. One, he's reminding us that marriage has been established by the creator. And it is therefore not merely a humanly devised institution. God created marriage. Two, marriage was designed and defined by God, not mankind. Three, marriage is also a gift from God to mankind. Four, mankind was created to rule over God's creation, but not to rule or dominate one another. And Paul echoes this in Ephesians chapter 5. For wives, this means submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For a husband, it is... For the husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He's the savior of his body, the church. Verse 24 in chapter 5 of Ephesians. As for the church submits to Christ, you wives should also submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives as Christ loved the church. He gave his life for her. Our reference point is Jesus. Our reference point is Jesus. I'm not, going to get in, I'm not going to get into this, but I do want to kind of end on this one thing. Because sin ruined this paradise. Man's disobedience ruined what God designed. And so what Jesus is doing, Jesus is coming to restore that which is lost. That's the good news is because it's easy to go to, to um, the Garden of Eden and say, well, that was awesome. But the reality is not what was in Eden. And that's true. And so you may feel like you don't have any hope. But this is the hope that Jesus brings, is he wants to restore that which is lost. So I want to leave us with this final thought before we have baptism. Many people, too many people live with a misconception that marriage is a beautiful box full of joy and happiness, delight, bliss, eternal love. Some of you when people think cats are in there too, they're not. Some people think that just getting married will finally make them happy and it'll, that, that'll solve all their problems. And I, and we tell, and I tell couples all the time is marriage is, is not designed for that. Marriage is actually an empty box. And you can only take out from this box whatever you've put in it. 
So whatever you're taking out from your marriage box is what you've deposited in it. So if you want intimacy, learn to embrace vulnerability. If you want deep connection, learn how to share your emotions and bravely listen and understand. If you want a life of peace, learn how to navigate healthy conflict. Marriage is what you make it. And I love that God has created a family where we could work together to make your marriage represent Jesus better. We have a crew Tuesday nights for married couples. Some of you need to prioritize and prior prioritize that and show up. Sometimes we only seek help when things are in crisis. But things don't have to be in crisis for you to do a tune-up in your marriage. We can all have a better marriage, right? Spouses, yes, we can all have a better marriage no matter where, you, where your marriage is. But that's the hope that Jesus brings into this whole thing. He defines marriage. He shows us what it is. He shows us what it's not. And he tells us that sin corrupted and destroyed all of this, but that he came to restore and redeem that which was lost. So you can have an amazing relationship. I don't care what your past has been. I don't care what your examples have been. But I promise you, if you stick to scripture, if you stick to what God has, and in the community that God has placed you in, your marriage can just thrive. And so I would encourage you to just do a, do a self-check today. Do a self-check. Say, God, like, like, how am I? A lot of times we ask the wrong questions because we, we evaluate the other person. Well, if only they would do this, or if only they would do this, and maybe stop doing this, or do, you know, whatever it is. It's like it's easy to point the finger. But what if you say, hmm, what if I became the person that she wants to be married to? What if I change and make myself give her a reason to hang out with me? What if I lay down my desires and serve her instead of always wanting her to serve me? What if I sacrifice for her instead of expecting her or him to sacrifice for me? And so I want to pray, and I know this is just like an intro, and we're going to talk more, and, and I'm so excited for, for this conversation because I promise you there's so many things that we, that we can say about this. But just to establish the foundation, the groundwork for marriage and what Jesus has and how Jesus has defined it and established it, it doesn't change the fact of where you are right now. And so if you're still with your spouse, you can grab her, you can grab her hand. And maybe this is the first time you've grabbed her hand in a while. So this is a good time because you're listening to the preacher. And so I'm going to read this prayer that you prayed in the beginning. You can just whisper it one to another and say, Holy Spirit, I invite you to 
change my heart, to rearrange my priorities, and let me hear what I need to hear. Take the things out that need to be taken out. Expose the things that need to be exposed. Put in those things that are missing. I ask you to do a miracle in my life and in my relationship. I invite you to be the Lord over my marriage, over my family. And like I said, if you're single, over your singleness. Father, we love you for everything that you have done, God. And I thank you for not leaving us in the state that Adam and Eve got us into, God. And I know that they're not the only ones at fault, that we are at fault and we're born into this and we are bent towards the decision that they've made, God. So we just offer ourselves up to you again. Offer, we offer our marriage and our families up to you, God. Bring conviction. God, help us to evaluate where we are Help us to take the step and ask for forgiveness. Seek reconciliation. Seek assistance and help. God, give us the boldness and bring the proper couples into our lives so that we don't walk this alone. God, we submit to whatever you have, whichever path you have. Because in you there is hope for, your, for our marriages. No matter how scattered or shattered they are. No matter how much trust has been broken. No matter how much or how many mistakes has been made. God, we know that you are a restorer and a redeemer and a miracle working God. Nothing is impossible for you. So we submit it to you, God. We submit our relationships and our marriages to you, God. God, give us the boldness to follow you, to lead well, to be an example for those around us and specifically for our kids. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, 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 amen.